All right, let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you address every topic there could be inside your word. And Lord, we know that as we dig in and we understand more about who you are, that we will want to become more like you. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the way that you cover topics like this and you do it in such a gentle way. And Lord, I pray that you would open our minds to what you have to teach us today, that you would help encourage us, and uh, just that you would help us to come away from here knowing you more and wanting to be more like you. Thank you for this time once again. I pray that every word spoken here is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so if you've read through our text for today, you know that we're going to be talking a lot about giving. Paul is going to be encouraging the body of believers onward and generous giving. Onward and generous giving. There are a few topics that are more challenging to discuss, but please be encouraged because I realize I am preaching to the choir today. Let me show you the stat. A new study reveals that those who study the Bible are far more likely than others to donate to charity. So I'm in good company. A survey, a survey by LifeWay to young adults indicated that the typical Christian young adult donates more than three times as much as non-Christians in this past year. So that's pretty significant, right? So why is this topic so difficult? Because stats still show that in the last year, just this last past year, 2022, 26% of evangelicals gave nothing to church. One fourth of us did not give anything to our church. According to Christianity Today, those who do give financially to their church give only 2.5% of their income. In comparison, during the Great Depression, church attendees gave 3.3% of their income to church. So I want you to know that if you're already feeling a twinge of conviction, I am right there with you. But I'll give you a little background information on myself and my husband and where we've come from. My husband and I grew up in really unique homes where our parents created in us the habit and great exam example of generous giving. And yet we too find this discipline of generous giving and tithing to be really hard work. I can remember at an early age, I had three mason jars set up in my room and they were labeled camp, fun, and offering. And every week I had to put my offering or my allowance into each of those mason jars. A call to go to church early on a Sunday morning involved my mom telling us to grab our offering before we left. So this habit should have been instilled in me at a very early age. And yet I still find it difficult. My husband, on the other hand, he grew up as an MK. Do you guys know what that means? Yep, he's a missionary kid. His parents were missionaries for over 20 years in Sweden. They would spend every fifth year coming back to the U.S., visiting small country churches, and spending the night at homes of supporters, those who committed to help supply their financial need every month. What an incredible example for my husband and his brothers to witness so many devoted followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus Christ who were so hospitable and generous. And yet, I feel anything but qualified to talk on this topic. At this season of life where I have just a small part-time job and yet our expenses are so great with college and upcoming wedding, not to mention just the ordinary expenses of used cars, medical bills, and food, 
the price of eggs alone. <laughs> what in the world? I can tell you this struggle is real to take from what we set aside from God, to take, um, to set aside what God gives us each week to, to give to our church and supported missionaries. But I must admit to you that in typical fashion, digging into God's word does not disappoint. This passage we are studying has only encouraged me and spurred me on to keep being obedient in this area. So wherever you are at on the giving spectrum, if you are one who this is an easy discipline for you, or if you're still maybe part of that 26% and you're just like, I haven't grown in that area and I still feel convicted about it, then wherever you're at, this message is for you. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 7 and see where Jonna helped us end off last week. We're going to be reading 2 Corinthians 7, starting with verse 13. In addition, he says, to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was. Because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you, I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you is true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. And his affection for you is all the greater. And he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I am glad I can have complete confidence in you. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much, Joyce. We'll see. Hopefully that helps. Okay. So Paul was very positive. We're not there yet. I think it's going to take a couple minutes. Okay, you guys might have to open your Bibles. <laughs> it's coming. I know it's coming. There's so much going on up here. Let's give it a couple minutes. Okay, it's here. Okay, so uh, just maybe follow along on your phone or in your Bible. Second Corinthians 7 is where we're just looking at the very end of that chapter. Just to kind of see the tone that Paul is setting here. I just want you to know basically that Paul was very positive. He's not coming at this church with um, a sense of shame or like really stern. He's coming, he's excited. He's encouraged by what he's seeing. He's knowing this church is growing and he wants um, them to know. He's just gonna encourage them to move a little bit more onward in another area. And so that's why we're gonna be talking about generous giving today. Okay, so let's see. Okay, look at, we're doing okay. <laughs> there we go. Just a little bit. Stand straight. Stand straight. No, you stand straight. There you go. There we go. Yeah, is it did that work? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So open your Bibles to chapter eight now. This is right where we're starting. We're going to go ahead and read along here. We're going to try to go verse by verse. I hope it's up here. No promises. So he digs in in verse eight or chapter eight, verse one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Okay, so our first point here is that generous giving is inspiring. Paul tells the church of Corinth about the generosity of this church in Macedonia. 
And at first I'm kind of like, okay, that's a little rude. Like, that's a little like, are you trying to be competitive or make them feel bad? But I don't think that's Paul's point at all. I think he's trying to tell them, look at these believers in this very difficult city as well. They're able to give in such a severe trial. This should inspire you. This should encourage you. I'm not doing this to make you feel bad, but I want you to know that it's possible because of the grace of God, which he says in verse one, these people are able to do it. And I want you to do it as well. We are moved by stories of others when we hear about someone else doing something great by the strength of God. We should be moved. As many of you, as many of you know, several pastors and leaders from our church traveled recently to the Compassion Evangelical Hospital. And if you've been around our church at all, you're familiar with those words. You might know about this, but I have just been inspired by what I've heard is going on there. Their mission um, was to encourage the people who started this hospital and to just tell them that we continue to support them. This hospital was started by five ordinary families from the Ivory Coast in Africa. The five families which make up the core leadership make very low wages and yet are exceedingly generous with the money they receive in a land where physician salaries are only about six to eight thousand a year and nurse salaries are two thousand dollars a year and no food and other essentials are not any less there maybe the price of eggs, but that's it. <laughs> Despite making very little, these Christian missionary families early on sacrificed and received donations from Autumn Ridge and other places to add on a Christian school and church to, to the hospital because their desire was not just to make people physically well, but also to help make them spiritually well. That school has now grown to 450 students. Many of them began as Muslims. They attend daily Bible classes and dozens have come to faith in Christ. Their church holds 120 people and is often packed when it is opened. Because so many Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ through the compassionate care and sharing of the gospel at the hospital, these same five missionary families saw a need now to build a welcome center so that the new believers can learn a trade and develop in a place a community where they can feel comfortable in because if they would go back home, their lives would be at stake. Our church's donations of tin and the other essential materials helped make this possible. For these new believers, going home to their villages would mean they'd be killed for being converted to Christianity. These missionaries are literally sacrificing all that they have to help make people physically well, and then using that open door to help make Muslims in Western Africa spiritually well by telling them about Jesus Christ, the great physician. Even with the little means that they have, Steve Mary and Pastor Rick said that when they visited, these missionaries showered the Autumn Ridge team with gifts because they were so grateful for our partnership with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That doesn't make you feel guilty. That doesn't make you feel sad. It makes you think about how great our God is that he inspired that within those families. And I hope that it motivates you like it motivates me. Like, wow, what am I doing with my time and my resources? And what is God putting on my heart? Stories of generous giving are inspiring. And whenever I hear about Compassion Evangelical Hospital and the other great missionary sacrifices that are being made, I am humbled and moved to do more. All right, generous giving should not pause during trials. 
Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, 2, Paul says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. In the New Living Translation, it says they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. They also are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. So we don't know what the test of affliction is, but we do know that these Macedonians included Christians from Philippi and Thessalonica. And so just knowing a little bit about Paul's letters to these Christians, we know that they were in a very difficult city, but they still were devoted followers of Christ. They're described as having abundant joy and overflowing generosity in the midst of a severe trial. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in a trial, I don't know if I've ever been in a severe trial, but when I'm in a trial, I feel like I should take a pause. Like, surely you don't expect me to practice spiritual disciplines at this season of life, right? God, I mean, like, I don't need to be giving at this time because I'm needing to like only receive at this time. But here we see the Macedonians going through a difficult trial, and yet they are still giving and they're still full of abundant joy. Earlier, I shared this stat with you that Christians who were going through the Great Depression gave more than Christians in America today. Many studies find that the poor or afflicted tend to be more generous than those who are rich. Okay, number three, generous giving is part of spiritual maturity. Generous giving is part of spiritual maturity. Let's start with verse five of chapter eight says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Okay, so who does it say they first gave themselves to? They first give themselves to the Lord. Some theologians call this progressive sanctification, that as we study God's word, as we understand more about who he is, that we should be changed because we will understand what God has already given us. We will understand what we have received. And because of that, we will be so compelled because what we are learning to become more like God that we will want to be generous as well. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Once we understand how Jesus gave up his riches, his place in heaven, and for our sakes became poor so that we could have riches that we never deserve, we should be compelled to be generous. Christ is our example, and as we give ourselves first to him, we will see that he displayed such generosity to give us something that we could never deserve. So the question is, is if we aren't compelled to generosity, maybe it says something about our spiritual maturity. Number four, generous giving is not measured by quantity, but obedience. We're just going through here, so uh, stick with me. We're going to be reading uh, chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. And in this matter, I give my judgment, he says. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. 
So it seems really basic. We are to give according to what we have. We can't compare ourselves to others, just as all of us has different gifts. We all are going to be compelled to give different amounts. That's why in the Old Testament, the Israelites were to give a tenth, a tithe of what they have. In Mark 12, Jesus praised the widow's meager offering, even though many others gave much more, because he says in Mark 12, 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. We will not be called to give the same. We don't give because we are pressured by humans to give. We give in response to what God has given to us. And Paul says it's according to what we have, not what we don't have. Generous giving should be handled responsibly. This is an instruction for the recipient. Generous giving should be handled responsibly. In verse 16, Paul says how Titus and another unnamed brother of the Lord is coming to the church of Corinth to collect a financial gift that this church had previously committed to give. In verse 19, Paul says that their desire is to honor the Lord, and then he continues starting in verse 20. We want to avoid any criticism. Get that verse up for you. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 20 through 21. This is why when you help with offering at Autumn Ridge, there are always two to three individuals helping with the money. It's not because we don't trust our ushers, but we try to go to great lengths to make sure that we are doing what is right in the eyes of man. It is such a mockery of Christianity when organizations or individuals who claim to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ mishandle finances. They take the sacrificial giving from others to invest in their private jets, their magnificent mansions, or as we learned last week, their expensive tennis shoes. We need to be grateful for church leaders who go to great lengths to make inconvenient accommodations so that the handling of money is rightly handled in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of man. All right. Generous giving doesn't overpromise or underdeliver. Generous giving doesn't overpromise or underdeliver. So here we get in on a personal conversation Paul is having with his friends in Corinth, and he's going to be talking about something specific. He says, for I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm was stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be, un, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So Paul has such a sweet parental tone here. He's trying to help these Corinthians out who evidently just committed to something verbally and they haven't followed through on it yet. And I feel like as a parent, that's kind of what I do. Like maybe in December, I'm like, hey, buddy, do you remember how you were going to like, you know, give a 10th of your allowance and what you made? And it's like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to do that, wasn't I? Yeah. So let's just like 
let's take care of that right now just because I don't want you to not follow through on your commitment. I feel like that's what Paul's doing to the Corinthians here. Proverbs 20, 25 says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the costs. When we are considering a financial commitment, we should be slow to speak and make sure if we make a vow, especially if it's one of those where we're going to commit to give to a missionary family or an organization where we're going to do that every week or every month, we should make sure that we have thought that through, prayed through it, and that we can follow through on that commitment because talk is easy. Number seven, generous giving should be done cheerfully. Generous giving should be done cheerfully. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As we said, we should not make these rash decisions about our financial gifts, but once we have made the deliberate resolution and likely prayed about it, we should give cheerfully. We should give knowing that God approves and is delighted by our gift. I love this verse. It's uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There are so many ways I can think of how I'd like to be refreshed. I would like to maybe go on a travel vacation, especially this time of year, spend a day at the spa, get a pedicure. But it says here that when we refresh others, we too will be refreshed. The only reason we would not give cheerfully is because we maybe have some doubts or we wonder if God will really provide, or maybe we just aren't convinced that this is the right thing. Number eight says generous giving is rewarded by God. We need to remember that generous giving is rewarded by God. Starting um, with verse eight of chapter nine, he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Sorry, guys, you aren't reading this, are you? Okay, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So there's not an exact formula, but we are promised that if we sow generously, that we will also receive generously. Proverbs 11.24, um, that's the verse right before the one I just last read. It says, one gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. So this is not an exact formula and should not be considered as a get rich scheme. Like, right, I'll give a thousand dollars and God's gonna bless me with 10,000 because that'd be a really great investment plan. And I don't really know how the formula works. And I don't wanna say that there's um, like, if you just you know empty your wallets, that God is just gonna supply that need because that's foolish. And that's probably what we were talking about, like over promising and under delivering. And so, um, I, I really, I can't say how this works, but I know that God's word is true. And I have a feeling in a room of this size that there are so many testimonies of people here who can say, yes, I can see how God has provided. In the midst of our continuous faithful giving, God somehow supplied just our needs and just at the right time. We do know our rewards are in heaven. And I believe that God does supply those um, 
in eternity, but I also think that God does supply our needs here on earth. But again, I don't know the exact formula, but I know that God's word is true and that he promises to do that. Lastly, generous giving should result in praise of God. So let's start with verse 11 of chapter nine. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's amazing when you read through that, how many times he's talking about God. Here the Macedonians were giving so much and he's talking about that. And then he moves on to the people of Corinth and he's not saying, wow, that's amazing. You're so awesome. You did amazing. You know, that's so fantastic. He keeps on bringing it back to God. He says, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then he goes on to say, um, overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Others will praise God. He keeps on going on talking about how your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I think about this and I think it's really a missional um, impact when you are willing to give generously, how others look at you and they give you thanks, but they also realize, hey, it's because of God that we do this. Our generosity should not result in praise of ourselves. Others can be thankful, but we should always make sure that we take that thanks and we say, wow, it's because of God that I've been able to do this. For God is the one who gives us everything we have. God is the one who has given us talents to work and to have a paycheck. God is the one who makes it so that our cupboards are full, even when it mathematically does not make sense. We are just stewards of what he has already given us. I was looking back um, at verse, uh, the very first verse we were reading, chapter eight, and it says um, that Paul is talking about the Macedonians and their generosity, but he says it's because of the grace of God that they have been able to do this. It's always about God. It's not about us. When we give to others, we are just delivering to others from the abundance we have already received from a generous God. We celebrate what God is doing in other places with other people. I want to celebrate what's going on with you because I know that you are able to do that through what God has given you. And so when we talk about Christians in Guinea or in China or even at another church or when we're sharing here about our families, we don't do that because we want to make others feel bad or like, wow, oh, I'm not able to do that. Or, you know, um, you're just boasting and it's, you know, making me feel jealous. We want to do that because it is because of God that we are able to be so generous. And if we keep that, I think in the forefront of our minds, it will just remind us that we are only stewards of what God has given us. So thanks so much. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, dear God, we thank you so much for your abundance and your goodness in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would see it as not something that we hold too too tightly to, but we would see it as something that you've given us to manage and to be good stewards of. And Lord, I thank you that in this room, there are so many examples um, of people who have um, been such examples of generosity and want to continue giving freely back to you. And Lord, I pray that in discussions today that 
there would just be encouragement and praise to you for what you have given us in your indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this time. And I pray that these ladies would continue to have a great week because they are serving and worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.